the federal government, the state government, the city government, and a large portion of the people are indebted. They are indentured servants. They are enslaved to the banking system. And now there's a debate to be even more enslaved. But don't worry. George Soros and his perpetual bonds are going to solve everything, right? Well, no. Well, of course, that's what me and Tim Pichot, the Liberty Advisor, will be discussing, plus a lot more, as, of course, there's a new debate being sparked right now about the aid given out by the banks and the state. And some states are saying, gimme, 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 while, of course, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is saying, well, you can just go bankrupt. In response to that, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said, quote, you're not going to fund the state government? States should declare bankruptcy? That's how you're going to bring this national economy back? And I would say, well, uh, if you, yes, 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 please do that. Andrew Cuomo, so far, his response towards this entire crisis, honestly, hasn't been that bad. But with this, I definitely disagree with him because if you're an institution, you should create value and not just keep sucking it up for yourself for a failing institution that's indebted. And that's exactly what the New York state government is. And should it be saved? No, that's my opinion. What about yours, Tim? Well, uh, can it be saved? And so how are you going to save something by getting further into debt? And so let's just back it up that it was only not too long ago that we were even debating if the EU should even have bonds to begin with. And I don't even know if they even do have bonds. I'd have to go and check that up. But the thing is, when you are bound by a bond and so uh, uh, like so explain it to the common folk because like there's a lot of ignoramus people like me that what bond what does that mean what is what is george soros talking about here when he says perpetual bonds what does that mean so a stock a probably better way to describe this is so a, so when you own a stock you own equity in the company so as the company is worth more and more money then you would get to participate in that or vice versa if the stock price crashes you would lose that equity in there a bond uh, is somebody, let's say, so let's say you've got $10,000 and you want to go give it to XYZ Corporation and they're going to pay you, let's say, 5% a year. So you're going to get your 5% per year. But if XYZ Corporation stock goes to zero, you as the bondholder are now the highest claim holder to that company. And you're the one that gets to dictate how things play out, not the not the equity holders or not the stockholders. Now, in 2008, those rules were turned on its head and flipped around because in a crisis, you just distort the free market and you start making up rules. So GM was a good example where the bondholders got screwed and the government was doing all sorts of crap that uh, I don't even think was even legal. And it certainly, it was unprecedented. But when you have a bond... So let, let's say uh, uh, you have Italy, who is who is issuing their own bonds. You have Germany issuing their own bonds. You have Spain issuing their own bonds. But if you were to have a euro bond, well, now you've then cemented those com those countries together even more so than they already were. And so a lot of people, when, I mean, and you know, I mean, how I discovered Luke was, you know, you, you know, covering Bilderberg, uh, you know, rallies going, or not uh, rallies, but Bilderberg meetings going way back in the day, you know, along with, you know, yourselves like you and Jim Tucker and uh, Alex Jones and Dan Dix and several other trailblazers out there it was actually at the 1956 Bilderberg meeting where they uh, outlined the plans to have the the euro. And so anybody, and then so most people think the euro just came out in the late 1990s. And I hate to you know make this whole big like run around to try to make this point, but it's very complicated subject. 
subject matter. And so with a with the euro, now that they've inextricably linked these countries together, it basically became the United States to Europe. And by having a bond, it would then cement that even that much uh, tighter and make it very hard for those countries to then break away from one another. Now, very complicated subject, but as we're going back to the article over here with George Soros, the EU should issue perpetual bonds to fund the economic recovery from coronavirus. And I'm going to get into exactly, now it doesn't maybe sound like a very uh, you know sexy subject, doesn't sound like something that maybe a lot of people care about, but you should care about it because this is how they always get you. Just like people, you know, they never understand that it's like this slow frog boiling in a pot. And by the time you know you're skinned alive and burned alive is, you know, by the time people realize what's going on. So it's very important. And, and it's so to you with, with a lot of propaganda. If you look at this article here by Market Watch, it's Soros. The EU should issue perpetual bonds to fund the economic recovery from this sickness. And then down below, three advantages that make perpetual bonds a good fit. This is great, guys. Let Joe Soros fix this for you, right? And yeah. of course, the truth is a lot stranger than fiction. Yeah, let's let him fix it for us. So as part of this proposal, I propose the EU should raise the money needed for the recovery fund by selling perpetual bonds on which the principal does not have to be repaid, although they can be repurchased or redeemed at the issuer's discretion. Authorizing the issue should be the first priority for the forthcoming European Council Summit on Thursday. It would, of course, be unprecedented for the EU to issue perpetual bonds. I mean, up until a couple of years ago, it was it was unprecedented for them to even issue bonds. And so you see, it's always more, 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 more. It's just temporary. I know uh, Luke and I are originally both from New York. I'm from upstate. He's from downstate. Uh, I'm from you know. Poland. Okay, I'm from, from the Poland. motherland of potatoes, vodka, and cows. From the motherland of where Thomas Watson was setting up IBM to help categorize the Jews and do other stuff, uh, but we talked about that Poland? in another video. No, he was playing. No, he was playing off the Polish people. I mean, he wasn't helping the Poland. He was, it wasn't the Polish people. He was using Poland as a base uh, over there once Hitler took it over. And we did cover that in a video earlier on. Uh, on um, it was that was on the main channel. But anyways, going back to this article, it says it would of course be unprecedented for the EU to issue perpetual bonds, especially in such a large amount. But other governments have relied on perpetual, perpetual bonds in the past. The best known example is Britain, which used consolidated bonds consoles to finance the Napoleonic Wars and war bonds to finance World War One. It's funny how they're talking about the Napoleonic Wars because I, I just want to make a quick aside here because this is actually a very very interesting point. And, you know, Luke and I don't really, you know, do a ton of show prep on this. And so I'm not doing this with any notes. And so how all this actually started, if you bring this back to the Napoleonic Wars, is really how the genesis of the current financial system that we're underneath. So what had happened is you had the Bauer family. The Bauer family was tied in with the uh, with the Oppenheimer family. The Oppenheimer's like, hey, you know, instead of lending money to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, you should lend money to governments. So the so the Bauer family had a red shield on their door. Red shield in German is Roth shield. So that's where the Rothschild family comes from. They teamed up with the royal family. Uh, long story short, what happened is a German prince wanted to invest into English bonds. So the Rothschild family is like, okay, we can do that for you. And instead of actually buying those English bonds, they actually kept that money in cash. They spread a rumor during the Napoleonic Wars that Napoleon had lost. It spread the British 
it caused the British stock market to, to go down to near zero. They came in with all the cash that they already had, bought up the entire British stock market, then got in cahoots with the royal family, started the Bank of England. And yeah, so, and it, then the truth came in, and then the stocks, of course, went back up. That, of course, Napoleon lost when they got the advantage yeah. of this, disinformation. So they used disinformation. I mean, that's been historically categorized for many times. I even brought this up to Lord Jacob Rothschild himself. I'm like, let's talk about your family doing this during the Napoleonic War coming into power. He's like, never happened. Never. No, no, uh, uh, just never happened. Sorry, I cut you off, but confronted Lord Jacob Rothschild on this particular point. He's like, no, no, it never happened. (laughs) It's absolutely crazy. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, and I didn't have any uh, premonition to get into that story because I didn't originally read that Napoleonic War part. And so I'm like, wow, it's kind of funny how it all brings it back to circle that the whole... And then he had six sons, sent them to all different banking, you know, created all these banking centers in like Austria and Frankfurt. Uh, Their agent in America was Alexander Hamilton. There was a first central bank of America. Anyways, that's a whole nother story. But the EU is facing a once in a lifetime war. Think of it as crisis. So like Ron Emanuel, never let a good crisis go to waste against a virus that is threatening not only... people's lives, but also the very survival of the union. If member states start protecting their national borders against even their fellow EU members, this would destroy the principle of solidarity on which the union is built. And for starters, because perpetual bonds would never have to be repaid, they would impose a surprisingly light fiscal burden on the EU, despite the considerable financial firepower they would mobilize. The EU, moreover, would not have to refinance them when they came due, making amortization payments even set aside money, for example, in a sinking fund for their eventual repayment. Yeah, eventual repayment. Like that's ever going to happen. We all know that's not going to happen. The EU would be obligated only to make regular interest payments on them. A trillion dollar perpetual bond with a 0.5% coupon would cost the EU budget a mere 5 billion per year. That is less than 3% of the EU budget. So let's back it up there. So in a perpetual bond, you owe interest to the, to the EU, to the European Central Bank. So I, I'm more familiar with how the Fed works. So the Fed is a private central bank that is owned by the other member banks themselves. And then they are the ones who then basically get to pick who gets to be the, the puppet master of the Fed. And so it's the fox guarding the hen house. I mean, it almost it's always like the fox guarding the hen house, whether it's, you know, the vaccine manufacturers, you know, in charge of the CDC or whether who, I mean, it's, it's almost always the case. So it always drives me nuts when liberals are like, we just need more government regulation when it's the people who are basically, it's like, oh, let's have the head of Monsanto, you know, going over the FDA. It's, it's always crap like well, that. that. happens. That, that's been happening for, for quite a long time. That's a big revolving door, especially with the head of the Federal Reserve going to Citadel. Citadel, of course, benefiting off of this crisis that's happening right now. The, the head of Monsanto, Bayer, going into the FDA, many FDA executives being on top of that. Also, I just wanted to bring up because uh, th- there's also some information about uh, the, gold, the, the former Goldman Sachs CEO, Lloyd Blankfein, who's talking about he, why he doesn't understand why anyone is still buying U.S. treasuries. It, this is this seems like a very similar situation to what George Soros is kind of proposing, the, the kind of treasury system. Is that correct? Sort of and sort of not. So, I mean, if I can kind of back up into what's what's going on over here. So, kind of get, you know finish off on the George Soros piece. Uh so with a bond, you are then uh, you you then have to so especially when you're paying when you're when the bond owner is at least in America is the Federal Reserve in most cases we saw we Luke and I have done a ton of reporting on how the Federal Reserve is coming in and starting to buy up the corporate bonds the muni bonds uh, and and so when you own that bond we essentially then have to pay it to a private central bank who never had that money to begin with so they just take digits on the keyboard make up a bunch of you know trillions of dollars of, of phony money that never was there to begin with and then now we owe interest to them in 
perpetuity. So there is no reason to even own int- have interest on money that is owed to ourselves. Now, like the whole Social Security Trust Fund, they know that's uh, you know pretty much a bunch of IOUs that come from some of these deficits. So you know it's very e- very hard to unwind. And so if you make this a uh, perpetual. EU bond, then what he wants to do is, is basically make like the fourth Reich of Europe. Uh, I mean, and then, you know, he did say, you know, that you know, some of the best times of his life was when he was, you know, rounding up the Jews with his stepfather. Anyways, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, we got McConnell says he favors allowing states to declare bankruptcy. And you know what? There's no way the states can actually pay this money. And so how do this, where do the states get the money from the federal government? Where do the federal government get their money? They borrow it. Where do they borrow it from? Oh, they borrow it from the Federal Reserve who never had the money to begin with. And then we're stuck paying all this interest. And so places like, especially like places like Illinois, where already had, you know, 25% funding before all this crisis started. There's no way they're, so what they'll probably do is they're going to pay everybody. And I talked about this on my, at my Anarcha Poco Speaks. This was another, this and the corporate debt was like the central tenets of that talk and how to protect yourself from that. And so with this, with, with the state governments in these, in these, um, you know, pension funds, there's no way they're going to be paid. So what they'll do is they'll get some sort of bailout from the government where, okay, you know, you owe, we owe you. And they're saying it's only 500 billion. That's just, you know, a little carrot. 500 billion is like, you know, you owe somebody, you know, a hundred thousand dollars and you say, oh, well, you know, I, uh, you know, I only need like 2000 to get by and I'll, I'll be fine when they know damn well, the problem is a lot bigger than 500 billion. And so, you know, Trump is saying that he wants to bail them out. McConnell says, you know, we don't want to bail them out. I, I think, okay, McConnell, you look like that guy from the Muppets. Uh, but anyway, Anyways, not, not to make it not to make a joke from from that, but it looks like that that's where things are going. That they're gonna eventually get a bailout, but then some of the bailout money that's going to them right now it has to be funneled through. Uh, you know, basically it has to, it's only going to the really the places that have over a million people. And so then, if you have under a million people, then the money goes to the states. And then you've got to then beg the state again. It gets back to decentralization to answer. Uh, funny how this is five hundred billion dollars, and then oh, the Fed's muni facility leaves states access. Uh, to a plan that, oh, magically, another $500 billion of assistance to the big cities and states. I wonder where they got that number from. Funny how it's the exact same number. Uh, Powell says, okay, we're working to make this program accessible to more counties. And uh, basically right now, a lot of people are not going to qualify because you've got to be a pretty big uh, county in order to qualify. Getting back to Lloyd Blank, fine. And he's basically saying, listen, like this path that America's on in terms of in finance, the most surprising to me is that despite the trillions the U.S. is adding to our budget deficit and national debt, investors, many foreign, will lend the U.S. a virtually limitless supply of its uh, money. And so it's it's sort of, it, it, and it is crazy because there is no path to get off of the path that we're on except getting further into the hole. There is no way to stop what's going on. And that's why I was calling this out as not the greatest economy in the history of the world, because if we were getting further and further and further into debt during the greatest economy in the history of the world, then when the hell are we ever going to pay off the debt? And first off, you can't pay off the debt because the debt is money. And that's why it says King's Ransom behind me to signify that it isn't our money, not because it's some sort of Illuminati uh, you know, symbolism. And uh, yeah, it's just this seeing George Soros, you know, pouncing on this, uh, you know, opportunity just, you know, makes me sick because I understand what it means. Now he's trying to say, oh, well, you know, we just have really, really low interest payments. So, okay, you're a slave, but you, you know, you've got really low uh, slave taxes or something. And so it's not surprising that he is saying this. But, you know, just to see this being hit at us from every level between digital dollar and universal basic income and bailouts here and bailouts there. And oh, by the way, the people don't really get bailed out. Here's their 1200 bucks, but we've got to get settled with 60 grand of debt for every family of four. Just not surprising at all. And it's just, uh, 
It's just sort of crazy. And there's a few other things I wanted to talk about, sort of like grab bag type issues here. We've got the big banks. If we go over to my screen again, lawsuit claims 10 big banks rigged the market for odd lot US corporate bonds. And so essentially what this is saying that is that instead of trading at, let's say in a lot of 100 or 1,000 or something normal, they would deliberately over the price, over the course of the last 14 years that they would, uh, what they would do is they would go ahead and purposely make it odd lot. So then that way they'd get much bigger spreads and cost you more money. Surprise, surprise. And now I also want to talk about something called a sell in May risk looms over the market. And so let's get into what sell in May. Uh, so there's a, a saying in investments called sell in May and go away. And so you guys get a little investment lesson here. And it's called sell in May and go away is a well-known financial word based on the historical underperformance of some stocks in the summary six month, like they're talking like summertime, six month period commencing in May and ending in October compared to the wintry six month period from November to April. If a trader or investor follows the sell in May and go away strategy, they would divest their equity holdings in May. So sell their stocks in May. Uh, and then they would reinvest them again in November. Not financial advice. I'm just talking about the origin of where this comes from. And basically this really came from uh, something on St. Ledger's Day or Leaguer's Day. This phrase refers to a custom of aristocrats, merchants, and bankers who would leave the city of London, also very you know prominent uh, for what we were just talking about in terms of the Rothschild family and that, and, and that whole Napoleonic War because they set up their, their main base operations in the city of London. Uh, and they would escape to the country during the hot summer months. And St. Leaguer's Day, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. That's refer- racist. How dare you? I'm calling all the social justice warriors on you right now, uh, Tim. Unacceptable. I'm reporting you. Be- uh, for uh, talking about the uh, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. You got me all. Got me all side. The day. The day. The the <laughs> Saint Lee. I have no idea how to pronounce this. Not like, the, and I'm the, not going to ask you the how to pronouncement of that word. Well, and I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go. To, I'm not going to ask you to help me pronounce any words. But this, you did good with my name in this video, so I can't say anything for that one. But, uh, but yeah, seeing American traders and investors who are likely to spend more time on vacation between Memorial Day and Labor Day mimic this trend and have adopted the phrase as an investing adage. And more importantly, let's actually talk about the performance. So from 1950 to 2013, you would have had a the market was only up 0.3 percent from May to October, compared with an average gain of 7.5 during November to April. Uh, but the thing is, if everybody knows something is going to happen, then all of a sudden it starts losing that luster, losing that appeal. Just like, you know, as we saw with, uh, you know, potentially with the happening, if everybody already knows that that is something that that does happen in terms of now kind of pivoting the Bitcoin uh, real quickly, if everybody knows it's already baked into the, to the equation, then all of a sudden it starts becoming less and less relevant. But crypto is still a pretty immature market. So you still might be able to see some potential bounce on there. Uh, and isn't there a halving like happening soon, fairly soon, or did it happen already? No, I think it's like May 11th, or so it's right around the corner. And so, you know, because since it is a young market, I would expect the market to go up just because it is young. Let's see, looking over here, Bitcoin at 7,500 bucks right now, uh, trading asset, not 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 too shabby. And uh, make a quick shameless plug: you guys could do that inside of a Roth IRA, get tax-free gains, and I know a guy that uh, could be able to do that for you. Uh, but the thing I want to talk about that now, while the price is relatively low, I don't want you guys doing that when it's at 25,000, 50,000, when you could have got the gains beforehand. So it doesn't just like I wanted people to get into my investment strategy so that way they could have been down three and a half and up 26 last year and not get into it after they've already lost 30 or 40%. So yeah, it's, you know, am I selfishly saying that, yes, I want you to invest in it? Yes. But, you know, self, but as you know, we're creating win, win, wins to help fund it. And that's how we're able to come and, you know, do this uh, today. But yeah, as we're getting you back- shame, You shameless plug, no. 
<laughs> but you know what? You can't. I mean, what am I gonna do? Gonna make money on YouTube? I mean, so we know that. that yeah, we know you can't. That's, you can't. No, yeah. no. I, I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, um, I've heard good things about you. That's why we're working together. Uh, if anyone has some, you know, criticisms, definitely feel free to raise your voice. But we're in the business of trust, and it's, you know, the more information, the more value we give to you, the more happier, of course, all of us are. So, uh, no, no, you, you, you know, you have your own business. I have my own business. Uh, we, we started working together on different kind of uh, ways. And uh, I'm excited about it. And uh, especially with everything that's happening with, you know, the crypto markets, the gold markets, we're living in crazy uh, freaking times. These are uncertain times, to say the least. And if there ever was a time to be outside of this bigger kind of roller coaster that's happening, this is kind of kind of the best time. So uh, I'm very happy to get some kind of unique perspective and understanding that obviously I wouldn't get on my own because you have your own expertise. Yours is economic. Yours is finance. My mine is more kind of social, political, and I think uh, joining the two is, is obviously a smart, legitimate move. Um, I think. Yeah, no, I think so too. I just want to point out that we are now available on uh, iTunes and uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean. And so you guys will see in the bottom links below, it's a bit.ly link. So bit.ly slash CTN Spotify or CTN Stitcher or CTN Podbean or CTN iTunes. We'll get you to the place. And pretty soon we're going to be on Pandora and iHeartRadio. I think we're already on, on iHeartRadio. It's just too lazy to make it. And uh, Google Play coming soon as well. So I know personally, it's just, you know, even if you don't like listening to podcasts, it's a great way to then know be and be notified when we're going live again, when we have something coming out, because you can't rely on YouTube to do it, especially if you're a, a, a main ch a main We Are Change listener. You can't really just rely on, oh, that's just going to always be there because it's not. And who knows if it is? I mean, we already, I mean, look what's already happened to Luke. So, you know, this is the yeah. time to do it. I know personally, I listen to more. Uh, you know, and the other thing is we're doing is we're, we're having these each coming out as their own individual show and then also having, uh, you know, going to wrap it up as like a daily, uh, you know, bigger podcast too. So, and we're going to start getting the, we are change ones on there as well, uh, coming up shortly. So just, just something else we want to do to help diversify, uh, you know, what we're doing from a, you know, a, a standpoint. Also, uh, I think we're on library, uh, as well. So, but anyways, yeah. we'll, we'll, more, more of that coming soon. Well, diversify not just your finances, but in every way, centralization is, uh, a, a root of the bigger problem that all of us are facing. And the more we get away from that, the more we decentralize, the better we are. So yeah, we're on library under We Are Change, I believe. I am on Steemit and Hive under Luke We Are Change. Uh, and I think we're going to start posting a lot of the uh, shows that we do on there um, already so people could get them before anywhere else. So of course, BitChute as well. There's so many other alternatives out there, so many different ways to kind of see this perpetual landscape that's unfolding in front of us. But uh, obviously, this is the main uh, kind of way, the, the YouTube way to to reach the normies. We want to reach as many people as possible, give them valuable information, and let them go on their merry way from here. Because the best way to progress society is with open and free speech. We don't have that online right now. We have a lot of centralization. The best way to get rid of that is, of course, to have a diversification of any and all speech and aspect. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're promoting. And I think, I don't know, I, I, decentralization keeps coming up as our main kind of theme here, as our main kind of solution. We should definitely, I think, uh, delve into more of that and offer more solutions. Well, I know just a person for that to have on as a guest that, uh, you know, has been 
talking about decentralization for years. So we'll 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 get that person on. I think I know who you, you already know who I'm talking about. And uh, no, but it is it is the most important issue there is is decentralization of everything. And we see guys like Soros using this to then take this crisis to then centralize more power and the big powers that be like the Federal Reserve to centralize more power by get by having trillions of dollars added to the balance sheet. They then became more powerful because they own the underlying bonds. And so if people in cities and banks and everything goes bankrupt, the Fed now owns the world for money they never had to begin with. They're making a big power grab right now that they then those the powerful people to centralize power. And so that's why we need to have the message of decentralization. But not only is having the message, then having solutions to then how you can actually decentralize your life in every instance this is the most important thing whether you're republican democrat fake left fake right i mean everything i mean independent libertarian this should be the biggest issue out there unless you like having psychopaths just run everything into the ground then keep the same you know unless you want people stealing your social security and everything else and then keep up with the same path I, i think we would be better off not not supporting sociopaths i think it would be better if we're not left right but up and down and and i think that would be the more appropriate proper response if you agree Share this video with your friends and family members because we're still on the centralized technocratic Pentagon military industrial complex affiliated with the World Health Organizations and the other international states and the, and the CFR organizations that don't care about this message and are actively working to suppress it. The only thing standing in the way of that is you and your individual actions. And that's why I love you guys. Stay tuned for more here on Change the News.